Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz on the phone lines, but we're trying something different. Hopefully, it doesn't sound like he's on the phone lines. Uh, so bear with us if there are some weird gaps or delays or or if things go wrong. It's an experiment. We haven't tried it yet, but we, we definitely want us both to sound as good as possible. Uh, the technology is not necessarily easy. We're, we're doing our best for it. Anyway, this show is going to be all about fall camp. We're going to answer some listener questions or, or reader questions. And then we're going to talk about top five freshmen so far. Uh, so, Steve, we're going to knock out the questions first. Show some love to our listeners. Uh, first question, running back pecking order. This comes from Christian. Does Charbonnet eventually become the lead back? So you had this story this week. Zach Charbonnet, freshman running back, top 50 recruit. Five-star recruit in in uh, our analyst eyes at one time, uh, you know, big guy, big back has long speed, um, adept in the backfield, uh, has has a lot of experience under his belt, playing in one of the most competitive high school leagues in the country. Pretty easy track to get into the two deep. That part's not so surprising, but Jim Harbaugh said to us reporters that he was coming on like a freight train, and then you were just telling me before the show when he was speaking on Big Ten Network. Uh, he got even he got even a little bit more emphatic than that. It sounds like Charbonnet naturally still has to earn the trust and learn the offense, and there's there's um, some key components there. But it sounds like he is really really starting to make a push. Uh, do you to to Christian's question? Do you think he eventually becomes the lead back this season? I'm gonna lean towards yeah. I think eventually he does. I don't know if that's immediately or not. Uh, he definitely uh, Harbaugh definitely did light up when talking about him though with the uh, kind of gave it the old like we talked about before we got on the old Ben Mason you know the way he used to talk so glowingly about Mason when he first arrived on campus kind of got a similar vibe here from Harbaugh with that I mean we've heard nothing but good things about him he was raring to go after missing spring ball with a very minor knee injury that was uh, taken care of via minor procedure so I think eventually yeah could be similar to Daxton Hill, really, where maybe it'd take him a few games to get acclimated, or at least our perception. That's what it's been with Hill. Might take him a little bit to get going, uh, but once he figures it out, he could maybe take it and run with it. And that's not a knock on any of the other backs on the roster. I just think it's safe to say that he definitely has the highest ceiling. So I'd say, you know, obviously provided he stays healthy, I think by the end of the year, I'd, I'd I think he's going to be the guy getting the most carries this season. Yeah, I think so. I, the Ben Mason comparison, by the way, is is not, not all that new. I remember in July at Big Ten Media Days, Harbaugh said Ben or Zach Charbonnet was very much like Ben Mason, a, a quote-unquote stalker in the weight room, meaning that he's always around asking the strength coaches to, to spot for another rep or give him more workouts, which is – to me, maybe you saw that exact situation coming, but I, I kind of was on the impression Charbonnet, my impressions were really talented, very um, ready for the college level because of the league that he played in. But I guess I didn't know quite how his work ethic was, and I know Ben Mason talked in the spring about how Charbonnet was the kind of player who was always knocking on Ben Mason's door in the dorm rooms, asking to go over film or, or to draw up plays or to to help him learn the offense. Uh, poor Ben Mason's trying to switch the defensive line, and he, you know, he's got this freshman bugging him. But still, it seems like more of a when 
not if and I you know I'm not we're not in practice but I I'm starting to get the sense that they want Charbonnet I could see him being the lead back maybe you know they probably want to see what he looks like in games because there is a difference between practicing hard and playing well but I think I think the coming on the freight train is a is not an irrelevant expression I, I kind of read that as true Wilson has the trust Christian Turner has a little bit more trust and experience but suddenly Charbonnet's starting to starting to create separation in terms of ceiling and Michigan with this slightly they don't quite ease in because Wisconsin's a top 20 team and I was a top 20 team but they do have those first three weeks where in the first few games it seems like they could easily start six and0 I think that they they might look at some of these high ceiling players and say well let's let's give it a try uh, running backs interesting because I think they're all going to get carries but but right. it's I could see it being sooner than later based on based on the fact that he was already probably going to be one of the top two and before this all this talk about his work ethic the lunch pail the blue collar the weight room uh, before that all came into play uh, curious to see what he looks like I mean he's 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 a big back and and I know uh, I think Barton Simmons uh, 24-7 noted that Saquon Barkley's 100 meter dash time was 0.01 seconds faster than Zach Charbonnet's. So there's some speed and athleticism there too. I'm just curious to see what it, how it translates into the college game. Five star on and off the field for Michigan. That's a exa- that's an exact phrase that I've been told in many times in the past regarding his ability on the field, his makeup and his makeup off the field and just, yeah, what he brings every day. I mean, I'd argue he's one of the better. You know, Michigan talks a lot on if people who read closely enough, Michigan talks a lot about fit when they're recruiting a guy, not just based off their talent, but just how they fit within the program and and with what the staff likes and and how they want to build the program. He, and again, I mean, it's getting to the point where we've built him up pretty, pretty high. Uh, No doubt about that. But... A lot of that people got to understand. A lot of that is based off of what we're we're told by people who are much closer to it than we are. You know, it's not just us uh, making stuff up out of thin air. You know, and, and just uh, grasping at straws and trying to find the next star. I mean, this is a guy that they're extremely excited about. And I agree with the freight train comment. Definitely noteworthy. Definitely noteworthy how much he lit up when talking about him uh, at the uh, when the Big Ten media guys came in for their uh, yearly deal last week. So. Yeah, I mean, could he take it, take it and run with it early? I think there's always that potential. I just, I, it's not something I'm like mm-hmm. banking on necessarily mm-hmm. yet. Just because, like you said, the other, the other aspect too is we suspect Michigan's going to be throwing the ball a lot this year, and Wilson's definitely the guy probably furthest along as far as pass protection goes. So that's another aspect of it people have to keep in mind when they see who's on the field when and, and what they're doing. So uh, you know, it should be interesting to see. But yeah, the Char- Charbonnet is definitely the future at the position. Absolutely, uh, it's just a matter of when is that future going to be sooner rather. Than yeah, regarding later. the pass protection, the only that's kind of where the Ben Mason stalker in the weight room stuff sticks out to me is like if he's going to be built, maybe not like Ben Mason, but similar in that he's a pound for pound menace and and has that intensity. You don't get to see contact courage very much in practice, and and how you know if a, if a linebacker's coming in, he's got six step head start on you. 
you know, how how comfortable are you as Zach Charbonnet in in you know putting your body on the line? Uh, you know, True Wilson has shown it time and again. So, so we shall see. We shall see. Uh, in a similar vein, Neil, uh, who asked, hopefully he's bringing back the over unders to to help keep the podcast um, fun and interesting throughout the season. He says, "What's your guess for percentage of carries for Wilson Turner?" Charbonnet for the season and that's kind of what we were talking about just a moment ago all three are gonna play and they're all gonna get carries I think I'll do my guess first and then you can do yours I think it's gonna be Charbonnet between the three so obviously Shea's gonna get some carries there's other guys Hassan Haskins Ben Van Summeren are gonna get carries who knows we have another question about possibly some slot receivers getting carries from the backfield. There's end arounds. But if you're counting just between those three, I think 42% will go to Charbonnet. I think 31% are going to go to Christian Turner. So what am I at? 73? And then 27% will go to True Wilson. And, And why I say that and why it's so low for Wilson, despite him... I think currently being the starter is that last season against ranked teams, he averaged about a carry per game. And when he was playing in the first half of big 10 games, it was about a carry, maybe a carry and a half per game. Most of his carries came in the second half against teams that Michigan was blowing out. That doesn't mean he can't, he can't be successful, but I think for someone who got a lot of snaps, the actual carries that he got were mostly in lower leverage situations, lower pressure situations. He doesn't have long speed. I know he's worked on it, but but that's not necessarily his strength. He doesn't have Turner or Charbonnet's long speed. He is reliable in the sense that he doesn't lose yardage very much. The His ability to make sure that he gets at least one or two yards, that's that's may, might be something Michigan is looking for. But hearing how much Josh Gaddis and, and Ed Warner even are believing in, in big play potential and that's the key, you know, I, I, I think it's I think it's gonna be Charbonnet. Turner um, certainly has a lot of skill too. We talked about him quite a bit this summer as maybe a Karan Higdon type. And Karan Higdon, sure enough, once he once he got his feet under him, once he learned the playbook, he was pretty solid for Michigan. You know, he wasn't it wasn't much his freshman season, but sophomore year he he started to take off, and then obviously junior and senior year he really took off. Um, so it's kind of a shot in the dark since we haven't even seen a scrimmage or or anything with with three yet. True Wilson's the only one that we've actually seen live and in person under this new offense, and that was in a spring game where Turner and Charbonnet were out, but. Yeah, something around the 40-plus range for Charbonnet, 30-plus range for for Turner, and maybe close to 30, but not quite 30% for um, for True Wilson. That, that'd be my my guess. Steve, what are you, what are you thinking? Uh, 40, 30, 30. Charbonnet, and then the other two split, I think. And I wouldn't write off Hassan Haskins either. Right. Haven't heard a lot there necessarily, but I think he's another guy that will probably see some carries at some point throughout I the think year him as well. And, and also has some really, really good physical attributes. Uh, you know, kind of one of those guys 
was you know not going to be it was never going to be a year one guy. So you know, give him a couple of years, see where he's at. I know they've moved him back mm-hmm. and forth, but I know that they really liked uh, what they have with him athletically. He's one of the he's one of the most fit guys on the team. Yeah, sure. I think him and Vince Summerin are are going to get carries. I I, I less so Vince Summerin. I, I do think Hassan Haskins. I mean, he was at one point a well regarded running back recruit. But if you're talking between just the three of them, how are they divided? You have 40, 30, 30. Uh, continue with your with your sentiment there. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Okay. <laughs> so let's let's do the other let's do the other running back question. Um, this one comes from Dave Garbo. Says any chance we see Giles Jackson out of the backfield as the second running back, similar to what Mike Sanders still was doing in the spring game. Noticed with True Wilson, it gives you the benefit of pass protection as well as explosive run game potential. At Alabama. Josh Gaddis was not – Mike Loxley has made it as clear as he wants to make it clear that, that Josh Gaddis was not necessarily in charge of the offense, but he was involved. They did do a lot of two-back sets. Uh, at Penn State, they didn't do it quite as much, but part of that's because they had a star in Barkley. If Michigan does not have a star emerge, what do you think of having a slot receiver maybe as a as an H-back type player uh, that, that they can get the ball – he can get uh, maybe a couple yards running. He can catch it a little bit on the on the fly, and then hit the line of scrimmage full speed. That would be my play call. But but I guess what do you think? Uh, I know there's a lot of excitement about Giles Jackson. He hasn't necessarily gotten the fall camp buzz that others have had. But him or Sane were still coming out of the backfield. I, I guess is that something something you would do, knowing what you know, or or do you think they have enough pieces at running back? to just to just operate with those guys. I mean, I think if if they think it's effective, then I think we're going to see it. Now, whether or not they use both Sane Rastill cuz it's I think it's a it'd be a what a pretty much a shock at this point if Sane Rastill didn't see the field immediately, right? I mean, I think we're almost kind of assuming that he's going to play uh quite a bit this year just based off of what we were told in spring in spring ball. You know, at almost like he's a part of mm-hmm. the deal now already even though he hasn't taken a legit snap so with Jackson I think the interesting thing when you talk about those two guys I think Sainer still was a guy looked at as more of a receiver type back second with Jackson more the opposite maybe back first receiver mm-hmm. second so and with that in mind you know I, I definitely and we talked about this before we got on I think anybody with that type of skill set is a guy who has a a chance to make an early impact in this type of offense just because it's so predicated on players who are like that, you know, and Jackson's a guy who is more highly regarded than Sainer still coming out of high school. I think his film was incredibly impressive. You know, he's much more of a national recruit. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a possibility. But like you said, I mean, he's he's been talked about a little bit in fall camp. I think his name came up early on as a guy making a couple big plays in practice, but – since then, it's not a name that I've heard. Uh, but as I always say, it's if you don't hear a name, it doesn't really mean mm-hmm. anything. It just varies by who you talk to and what they're watching, that type of stuff. But uh, I, I, I said for a while I thought Jackson could play right away because of that, because of his his skill set fits what they like are going to do offensively under Gaddis, you know, and that he's a guy that could could kind of provide exactly what the asker 
is wondering, you know, is a second back in, in a two back type set. So I, I could see it as a possibility, you know. Yeah. Definitely. Well, and the answer is if the coaches think it's effective, they'll probably do it. It's probably applicable to every hypothesis that we have. Yeah, I think I think you're right though. If if you if Giles Jackson is a little bit more of a of a running back first, if you know maybe that a little bit more of an H back than a slot, then yeah, I think so. I think Michigan Michigan's roster you could look at, do this at a few different positions. They have a lot of players that are really good at one thing and maybe not quite as many as the other. I think you could see odd man defensive fronts, you know, because they have a few more defensive ends and and maybe some some uh, Sam linebackers that they could apply to be defensive ends, then they do have defensive tackles that they're totally sold on. So, yeah, if they have if they have a really fast guy who could make plays and fits Josh Gaddis's offense, why not add him into the mix? Uh, I'm sure I'm sure you'll see it. How much? Hard to tell. The quotes about Giles Jackson so far have been. Kind of, he's working to get there. He's fast. You know, they're a little bit nicer than that. But if I'm reading between the lines, it's not. I wouldn't put him in the top ten Michigan freshman right now, based on what we've heard. Uh, so, so we shall see. Um, got to think if if they've got someone that fast, they're going to try to use them, especially against the teams that that maybe are a little faster that have been able to control what Michigan has done in previous seasons. Another question. Let's go to Papa T-Man. He says, well, let's start with the receivers. He asked for the depth at wide receiver for the future and also the depth in the defensive backfield. Um, I did publish a depth chart. You can always read that. Uh, you know, it's kind of provides that. But at receiver for the future, so let's say 2020, I assume that's what he's looking for. I I don't know how you feel. Do you think all three of the big three, Tariq Black, Nico Collins, Don Peoples-Jones, do you think they're all viewed as pretty much gone after this season? Or do you think some of it's going to depend on the stats and and how people perform and that maybe maybe one or two will, will come back for their senior seasons? It's, I mean, with Tariq Black... We have to right. see it first, don't we? I mean, to some extent. I mean, there's this again, and very we very well could see it. When he got hurt in 2017, you could have argued he was on his way to being the number one receiver as a true freshman, which is rare at, at any program, let alone at Michigan. Uh, but it, that was that was two years ago now, and we haven't really seen anything out of him since then. I think he's got to prove it to some extent, right? I mean, you got to. I, I understand that. I think there is less of an emphasis now on like raw statistical mm-hmm. output as there is on combine ability as far as like being, you know, an NFL type guy or a guy who could leave early. But at the same time, you still have to produce to to some extent, I would think, you know, to feel comfortable enough to leave. So with with Black, I just again, we have to I think we have to see it a little bit. And and we very well may. I'm not that's not my way of saying that he will not get there right. or that he he's not in that conversation it's just you know of the three he'd have to easily be the one that there'd be the most question marks about right um with nico and and donovan i think that's 
you know, I think you got to assume there's a real possibility because you know Donovan's going to test well mm-hmm. at, a, at a combine type setting. He's excelled in that area his entire life. I mean, he was in, I think it was in eighth grade where he went down and camped at Tennessee as an eighth grader and had the longest broad jump of any high, of any, well, I shouldn't even say high school, of any prospect in attendance. I mean, he's just been on a different level mm-hmm. for years in that regard. So he won the Spark Championship at the opening, you know, so he's going to win, he's going to win that aspect. Uh, every time so as long as he stays healthy I think he's a guy that will have an opportunity to go and then like I said you know we posted last week could probably say it now I mean Nico Collins continues to be the name I hear as, as a guy who's just having a monster fall camp and looks primed to have a big season so you know those two guys I think are definite possibilities that's why I think you, you know the more good things you hear about Cornelius Johnson yeah. as a true freshman you know the better because they're probably going to need him in year two you know so you know, it, we'll see. Again, like I said, I think with Tariq, I think he's just got to prove it, and he's very well capable of proving it. But I, th- I think you got to start to, you got to see some output, you got to see some more evidence than we've seen from him on the field to like pencil him in as far as a draft. Yeah, I think year. I think Tariq needs numbers. Donovan doesn't need anything. Maybe just further assurance to get to the draft potential he he thinks he can be. Nico Collins is interesting. Because, as you say, he's he's definitely impressed the coaches the most if you talk to them in press conferences. But I know Dane Brugler, just one, one draft analyst, but a good one at that, he did his top 50, or he actually did a top 20 uh, wide receiver prospects, and, and Tariq Black and Peoples-Jones both made the top 10. Collins was not there, and he wasn't in the top 50 mock draft either. And that's not to say he can't get there, but if he put up numbers like that, it makes me wonder what kind of season does he need to have as a 6'4", 223, 24-25-pound receiver in an, in an NFL league that is becoming smaller and faster every year. Does he, does he need to, what does he need to accomplish? Maybe he just needs to show more speed? Maybe he just needs to do it again because he wasn't on enough people's radars. Uh, I think he, despite being probably the most proven, I think he almost needs another prove-it season to to declare early and be comfortably top. Anyway, that's a little tangential. I'm predicting one comes back of the three, and so you'll have one as, as an outside receiver, and then you have Ronnie Bell, who I think they want to play outside based on what I can tell. I always thought he was a slot, and then it just sounds like they don't even see him as a slot. And then you have Sainer still at the slot, and then the two, you have Cornelius Johnson. At some point, George Johnson and Giles Jackson get in there. And then... Eric yeah. Hall, too. So what do they the want to do with Eric Hall? Because that, that's, that's a good question. He's 6'4", 229. 220... Yeah, 229, um, not tight end weight at this point. But as we've reported multiple times, you know, we we were told in the summer that he has the second best hands on the team behind Nico Collins. Uh, for a guy who enrolled early and impressed the way he did, if he's not there weight-wise as far as the tight end spot goes, to me that says there's a possibility they you commit see him to it. on the outside that – I mean, at least temporarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, you know, I we'll see where it goes from there. I mean, if he comes in, you know, if this turns into a Devin Funchess 
type situation, you're going to take that if you're Michigan, right? I mean, who wouldn't, you know, take that type of, I guess, reverse trajectory from tight end to wide receiver there. But, um, you know, all's another guy I wouldn't write off in that regard as well. So, you know, it's, they have a lot of different kinds of guys yeah. there. You know, we talked about Sanders, still Jackson, they got a couple good receivers committed in 2020, you know, with Henning and, and Roman Wilson, who I, I think is a stud. I mean, I think he's going to be a potentially great. Are they year college, one, two so. deep guys? I'm, I'm sure that's what Papa T man's asking about. I'll tell you what Roman, I mean, Roman Wilson comparatively, you know, Roman Wilson's, measurables and and combine type numbers are among the country's best and but he's not like five nine five ten i mean he's six foot six foot one he can play and so i think there's a possibility there again we're we're talking way far out with that stuff though to predict what the true the freshmen who haven't even started their senior year uh, of high school what they'll be next year but i think with wilson especially i think there's Mm -hmm. a possibility you know, with with Henning, maybe too. I just I'm really high on Roman Wilson, though. I think that was a huge commitment for me. What's his forty time again? Oh, I, th- oh, I thought I remember it being good. a number I mean, that was, was a, like, oh, okay. It's it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous number. I just don't remember exactly what it was. His spark score was among the very, very, very top in the entire country, though. I mean, he's just he's an elite athlete, no matter what way you cut it. And he's also, like I said, I think the biggest thing is that he's of size, too. He is not an undersized, destined-to-play-in-the-slot type mm-hmm. guy. I mean, he's a guy that they could throw on the outside at some point. He's very reminiscent athletically of a Jerry Judy. And, again, I'm not saying he's going to have that career because those guys, you know, Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs at Alabama, I mean, he's very reminiscent of the guys that Bama's had some great success with, to be okay. honest with you. Okay. So. I think Papa T-Man's asking about current defensive backfield depth. Uh Obviously, I, I think if the, if they if they start, sounds like Ambry. Don't think he's going to start in week one unless I miss some some new news. But Vert Hill, Vincent Gray, Josh Metellus, Brad Hawkins, I think they like that that first four. And I think they like a couple pieces like Jameric Woods, Jalen Kelly Powell. Uh, you know, as, as kind of those, depending on what package you want to run, add them into the mix. And then the depth, I feel like, you know, there are players who seem to be on the right track. You're Jamon Green, Daxon Hill, DJ Turner. But things get things get a little thin at both positions, maybe more so corner because you are missing Ambry Thomas. Uh, you know where do, where does Sammy Faustin fit in at, at at safety? Where does where does Jermon Green? How about Jalen Perry? I mean, that's a lot of unproven names. Where if you didn't follow recruiting, you have no idea who these guys are because you just haven't seen them on the field yet. Uh, any any depth comments on on the secondary? Not at safety. I do think at corner, we'll see. You don't want to have another injury, that's for sure, especially this year. Uh, with next year, though, I think guys like Jalen Perry will be interesting. You know, because like I said, I, I suspect that DJ Turner is eventually on his way. I don't know if he, you know, we've heard some good things about him. He's a guy that the staff really liked, sort of like Green, who, again, haven't heard a ton about him after hearing some really good stuff about him at the tail end mm-hmm. of spring ball. 
Not sure if that means good news for Jalen Kelly Powell, maybe, or, uh, you know, we know Vincent Gray has impressed, you know, so I don't know. I mean, they could slide some guys over too. You know, I, I don't, Daxon Hill's a guy that you could really throw anywhere. Uh, I'd per, I think if you're Michigan, you'd prefer to keep him at one spot and not move him around. But, you know, that's what they did with Jabril because he was just a sort of a transcendent type talent. And I think the belief is that Hill is capable maybe of something similar, you know, as far as just being that good. So we'll see there. Plus, like I said, like I said, though, they, they, you know, they have three, four star safeties committed right now in 2020 Mm -hmm. and signed, you know, Hill and Quentin Johnson, another guy, an elite, elite athlete as well, who really Johnson could stay at safety, could be a Viper candidate down the road. Kind of hard to say with that, but, um, I don't know. I mean, cornerback, maybe. It is kind of odd, especially when you couple it with how they've recruited it in 2020 so far. You know, I love Andre Seldon. We've talked about that before, but he's not a an outside, outside guy. I mean, well, I shouldn't say that. That's what he would expect somebody to say, I guess. I think Seldon can play with anybody. I do think that they need or want more of the six foot, six foot one type guys though. Um, and their board is very, very small right now at cornerback. And I don't know if they're waiting on, you know, some senior film to develop to look at more guys, but it does feel like a big need to finish out 2020 mm-hmm. still after only signing the couple guys in 19. So, you know, yeah, Jamon Green's important. Jalen Perry is important. It's those other guys that maybe we haven't seen a lot of in 2018. And then obviously 2019, that we'll need to develop, you know, if cornerback is to become a concern or, or a worry. Okay, a couple, couple quicker questions because I think, I think the answers can be brief and they're not necessarily what we're talking about today. Brandon Pisarski asked, "Big deal, Shea isn't a captain, or Michigan State trying to get under Michigan's skin?" Uh, so, so he was named an alternate captain. I'm not saying that that that's necessarily a title beyond just the title, but. Apparently, according to one Michigan spokesperson, that meant that he he received votes, multiple votes. It was clear he was in the running. He just wasn't. They had a top three that was a little bit more clear cut. And so he and Josh Metellus are alternate captains. So if someone's suspended or suffers a big injury or skips the bowl game and they choose to play, uh, they'll be next up. I don't think it's a big deal. He was a transfer. He's not a... He's not a... Um, I mean, he has command of the huddle, but you know, when we talk to him in interviews, when you see him in in other interviews, video interview types, you know, he's not a he's not a super loud guy. I don't I don't think that's a knock on him. He's he's an efficient quarterback. Uh, he's a transfer. He's 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 not as much the new guy this year, and so you've heard comments about how he's a bigger leader. But you know, Ben Bredesen started thirty seven games. Khalik uh, Hudson's played in. 38 games. Carlo Kemp, I don't know how many games he's played in, but, you know, apparently... He's, he, he's got all the traits for a captain, yeah. though. As I, that, that one I'm... You I've did. You called your shot, like, for, a year and a half ago. I've been yep. saying that for... Uh, I, I think I probably wrote it in his capsule when he was when he signed with Michigan that he had the, the look of a, or the feel of a future captain. I mean, to this day one of the two or three absolute best interviews I've ever had with a kid uh, when, when they were being recruited. Much Very reminiscent of Grant Newsom, who I fully believe would have been a team captain mm-hmm. if uh, you know he hadn't, unfortunately, 
uh, succumb to the injury. So, you know, yeah, none of these picks are a surprise to me, right? I mean, are they to you? No. No, I wasn't sure how many they were going to take. That was, I mean, Bredesen and Hudson felt obvious. Right. You know, Kemp, when I said year and a half ago, I meant you've been talking about it on the podcast every time he's brought up for the last year and a half. So I was I was kind of not too surprised there. I wasn't sure. I've heard similar stuff about Metellus and how players view him. And I thought Shea, I thought there was, a, I mean, I thought all five had a chance. Um, just kind of how things fell. So anyway, to Brandon's question, I don't think it's a big deal because I think many viewed him as a captain. I think, I mean, he hasn't rubbed anybody the wrong way. He's been nice all the way. I just think he's maybe a little bit quieter of a demeanor. If if you want your quarterback to have a lot of bravado and and be the vocal leader, you might want to wait a year or two. I just I just don't think that's Shea style. He's efficient. Played pretty well last year. Does a lot of things right. He's a little bit more of a leader this year. That's from Ben Bredesen. And that's that. I don't I didn't think it was as big of a deal when Connor Cook wasn't captain either, for what it's worth. I don't. I didn't think it was super relevant. What people, what people think this is? That's like they're a, trying to make it a thing because Patterson's yeah. not. Eh, yeah. Come on. I mean, how, yeah. How many guys? I mean, I do. I realize that there are other programs that name like I think Ohio State names like seven, seven mm. captains, to their team. None of which were Justin Fields. Um, as it should be though. It's very similar situations in my opinion. You know, there are other guys who have been there for them. They're longer, put in more time. You know, that makes more sense as a captain. But Michigan's always kept it small with their captains, right? And I would not have put Patterson definitely not above Bredesen. Could have argued McCune would be in that conversation, too, as a guy that really uh, has one of the best work ethics on the team and is a a veteran through and through. You know, so, no, why does the quarterback have to be a captain? It's just stupid. Um, Another quick one. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Eggleston says over under 2.5. Michigan gets commitments from the following players Gentry, Green, Warren, Gray, Johnson, Green, and Rice. Steve, I know it's not really recruiting season. Any any thoughts there? Yeah, I think I said over. Won't specify in who, though, so you guys can try to figure it out. Or just subscribe yourself. to. The Michigan Insider and yeah, we have a good deal. We have we have the deal yeah. going on right now. I don't know how long the promo is going to last, but buy one month get two free. You know, this is what I always say about the su- the promos. Just try it, and if you don't like it, then don't stick with it. Like I just, this weird thing is like I feel like when we uh, kind of uh, hype up these promos that people feel like they're making like some kind of lifelong commitment when they decide whether or not to give mm-hmm. it a try. You know that it's this like huge thing, but I, I would say just give us a try. And to see if you like it or not, we've had a ton of people who have signed up for these and then have stuck around as members. I mean, more than I can count. So, yeah, I mean, we just po- I posted a recruiting update today. There'll be more coming as the season gets closer. I'm sure they'll have some guys on on campus for the night game to begin mm-hmm. next weekend. So, you know, good time to sign up. Might as well give it a try. Mid season, usually during like right now, tail end of fall camp, heading into the season's a great time to to sign up, see what we're about, and and see you know if it's for you yep. or not. So, Jordan, there you go. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And last question that we got from listeners, Matthew Kibalaski says, best spots to tailgate on game day near and around the big house. Uh, yeah, the tailgate atmosphere is probably one of the coolest things about Michigan football. Uh, as, as a reporter, obviously, I don't get to... I'm I'm there to play, play reporter, not play tailgater. But it's uh, uh, it kind of depends on your age and what you're interested in. I know there's there's a lot of people that do just the parking lot around Michigan Stadium. Uh, if you know people there, that that might be the easiest. Uh, the golf course is is a big one for people coming in from out of town because it's it's a little bit easier to get parking, get some space, and you're still pretty close to the stadium. Lots of people around there. Pioneer High uh, has a little bit more of a of a festival feel to it. It's, you know, a little bit, some, some, it can get a little compact, but you have a couple radio shows there. Uh, that's, that's certainly an opportunity if you're, if you're a student or I'd say maybe under 28, you know, get on Hoover Street, get on, get on South U, yep. Hill Street, State Street. That's, that's the life. That is the, that is the way to do it. Uh, but obviously, if you're, if you're older, Maybe you don't enjoy it as much. Maybe you do. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, you know, Elbel Field has Elbel Field has the alumni tailgate. I know Sam and the the WTK family. I'll pop in there once in a while at the Victor's Lounge, which is right across the street. It's on. It's basically at Main and Stadium. So that's certainly a possibility uh, if you want to be a part of that experience as well. Uh, and then I'm trying to think if I'm missing any. Um. Does uh, the old lumberyard? Oh, that is uh, a good question, because the lumberyard is torn down. Yeah, You're so right, I heard so. About that. But do they still tailgate there though? That used to be a good if spot if to go. so. Michigan currently owns. My understanding is Michigan owns the property. I'm not sure when the takeover happens, uh, but that's that. Yeah, you know, yeah. My parents often have tailgated there. There's the big bus that you can hear from uh, 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. No matter what time the game is. There's uh, and then Michigan does offer if you want to go through U of M, you can tailgate at Ferry Field. Uh, I, I s- popped by and saw it a couple times last year. Neat concept. Um, I think they're still trying to trying to figure out how to how to best utilize it. But those. Oh, and then I will say a lot of charity foundations do tailgates. I know like the Ann Arbor Cancer Support Community. Uh, I probably shouldn't have plugged them because I don't have the other ones to plug. I just know of them. But there are a few mixed in along the way. If you wanted to support a nonprofit cause, and they they often have some of the best food because they have food sponsors, so that's a possibility too. Uh, a lot of different things for a lot of different people. I don't know. I don't. I can't think of much else unless unless you want to start your own party and park somewhere. And no. and no, I say I say go up. So walk the walk up mm-hmm. Hoover Street. You know, leading up to the game where the road is jam-packed. I mean, I like, so my sophomore year, we lived on Hoover. I think we were the second or third closest house to the okay. stadium. We were we were always welcoming. I mean, again, I it probably varies by whoever's living in the place at the time because a few years later when we'd go back, they were not very receptive to <laughs> Adults, yeah. outsiders <laughs> coming to party. Well, no, I mean, we were still, no, I mean, was, you said below 28. Okay. We okay. were below 28 at that point. Um. You know, we were always receptive to outsiders coming and hanging out with us and stuff. I mean, that's part of the fun of it is 
the camaraderie, that type of deal. So I always like, yeah, I definitely, if I had a choice, I think it would go house party. Then the, I like the golf course personally. I just like the, I like the atmosphere of the golf course. I do like that. It is feels a little more inclusive. Uh, I just, I like that aspect of it. Pioneer's okay. I just think it's so wide open. There's a lot of rocks, and it's just, I don't know. People, I think the people at Pioneer get incredibly, like, it always seems to get really, really rowdy at Pioneer, which if you're into that, then by all means. Um, I mean, I guess it gets rowdy everywhere. I think so. But, think so. <laughs> uh, that's the way, it, yeah, house party is what I always, you know, I always thought of, or is it uh, South U, like you said? I mean, those are, yeah, that's a lot of that. That's some of the best experiences you can have Packard even I know it's a little farther out but I mean those Burns are some, Park neighborhood sure some house parties yeah you park back you park back there and kind of meander your way up to the stadium you know those are some areas back through there that you know I don't know if Greenwood is still and Greenwood yep. was huge uh when I was at Michigan that's one of the it's really weirdly built block it just feels like it's its own little you know, thing, you know, is that Greenwood was always crazy. So that was always a place to stop by too. So, uh, you know, that's what I would do. I would go, I would focus on that, that for the real true experience of what it's like to maybe be a student there, what it's like day to day, you know, you want to party with some of the students and stuff. That's, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, like, I'm probably, I don't think that'd be my, my go-to at this point, probably a little mm-hmm. past that. But, uh, but if, yeah, if you're like anywhere around college age, like I think that'd be it's a cool experience if you've never yeah been and if you haven't been before you should probably see everything we listed just because it's it's it really I compare it to a holiday I compare a Michigan football Saturday to a to a national holiday just because of the investment people make financially physically um, you know and, and just just going all out for this stuff it's 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 worth seeing it's worth checking out in my opinion whatever whatever of the tailgating options interests you. Uh, anyway, we are high on time, but we will we will still do our five top five true freshmen so far in fall camp. I'll have a story with a little bit more detail um, uh, of the top ten, so we'll go a little bit further down the list. Number one for for me, and I think I think for Steve as well, based on what he said earlier, Mike Sainer still they don't even talk about him like he's a freshman anymore. They just talk about him like he's a part of it. Which being an early enrollee does make an impact there, but I think it also just means like, like I you know he walked into early to to spring practices as a three star early enrollee, and walked out with a guaranteed spot in the two deep, and maybe even a starting job depending on what they want to do with the slot position. Uh, not too much to elaborate there. He's fast, he's shifty, and he is tailor made for the Josh Gaddis offense. I'd agree. For number one, I think that's the safe bet right now, just based on spring ball, having the experience, unlike Charbonnet, who didn't practice in the spring, you know, having that extra experience mm-hmm. of of legit reps against legit defenders, you know, I, I'd probably give yep. him the nod. My number two is Zach Charbonnet. Talked about him already quite a bit. I don't have anything else to add. Would he Is he your number two, or do you have a couple people ahead of him? I'm going to go with Charbonnet for now. I think that's probably a safe. And then safe my three and four, uh, kind of the order kind of depends on you know who got the most love most recently. But Mozzie Smith and Chris Hinton, I think they're both, you know, I don't know how many defensive tackles they're going to rotate in, but I, I think they're both going to end up in the rotation. Maybe, maybe not initially, but again, maybe easing into it helps with things. 
but Mozzie Smith, Chris Hinton, the two the two biggest defensive tackles, at least scholarship defensive tackles that they have as far as pure size, and they both were top 150 recruits. Hinton was a five-star in a couple uh, recruiting services rankings. I think, I think in our composite he ended up a five-star as well. You know, Smith was a, was a fast riser. I think he finished 108 in the composite. Talented players with a lot of size and a lot of strength, and, and both of them have really gotten the coach's attention in what they're able to, to, to produce in, in both pass rushing and, and a little bit run stopping. That might come a little bit later. That's where, the, that's where defensive tackles aren't always as impactful as freshmen is, is stopping the run, but... I think they're both in the two deep, and they're my they're my three and four. I just don't know which order I'd put them in. Uh, I'm going to stick with Dax and okay. Hill for okay. number three. I think event again, we'll see if it's uh, right away, right away, or if it takes a little bit of time. But I still think his impact is going to be. But has he had has he had one of the top five fall camps? Uh, fall camp, um. I'd still okay. say yeah. I think that they they've put a lot on his plate. I know that. Um for the summer guys too the bridge program has been you know a little bit of a right, factor too right. for some of these guys. But he has had a good fall camp. I mean, he's not a guy that we've heard a a crap ton on, but we've heard enough for me to feel comfortable with him at 3 right now. And then Hinton would be I will just go into 4 for me then. 4 for me would be Hinton. I think he's going to make an impact this year as well. A guy that reminds me a lot. There's a few guys in this cycle, but but he's one of them. Really reminds me a lot of Aiden Hutchinson in that he was highly ranked, fell down a little bit, and then came in and tore up the Army game and then brought his ranking back up and then came onto campus and it was immediately impressing. It's a it's a trajectory very reminiscent of Hutchinson, not to mention the the bloodline. Right, right. You know, and the, and the, the legacy there too, you know, as far as him – his family has made their name on the football field. So yeah, I think there's that aspect of it mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five for you. I got to go with Cornelius Johnson. I think Eric all would probably uh-huh. be right there as well, but I'm going to go with Johnson. Just heard too many good things from too many different people on him. I think he's going to play a lot this year. We already kind of went over that, but I, I still reiterate, I think he's going to play a lot this year. Um, again, another guy who impressed at the Army game, kind of for some reason caught our analysts a little bit off guard as a guy we had talked a lot about throughout his senior. I think his senior film is some of the best in the class, to be honest with you. You know, and uh, came in impressed at the Army game and is impressed right away this summer. One of the guys I think would have a less of an issue with the the bridge program as far as, I mean, he was already a – he goes to a really, went yeah, to a really he had highly, a, uh, regarded academic he had a 1480 program, on right? the SAT. Uh, yeah. I don't so, even know. If, are they? Does he have to do the bridge program? He might have been able to test out. Well, there, I'm not sure what they he, do. Yeah, there's a. there were a few. There were, I think, three. I was told three or four guys that did not uh, take the bridge program. I'm only aware of one of them. Um, Johnson was not that one so i'm not sure who the other two or three guys were but i i yeah i guess you'd have to say that he'd be one of the guys you'd think of in that and regard, if he isn't so. testing out then uh, but he's he'd be, just breezing through it because 1480 is pretty right pretty michigan ready right, right. so he'd be my, okay. my number five okay i think i think 
Daxon Hill's my number five. I'm trying to think who else might be in the mix. We mentioned Eric All. We talked about him. He's a little bit of a tweener, and that might prevent him from playing a ton, especially since they already have players at both the receiver and the tight end position. But he can create some mismatch. You know, there are packages where he could he could be in the slot, and you know, kind of a Gronk type or a, or a, a Jimmy Graham type, and and just teams don't know what to do, don't know how to defend him. So I think I think he's in that mix. Anyone else you you'd put just outside of the top five that we haven't mentioned yet? I think Eric All, yeah, like we said a little bit. You know, another guy who had a really good spring. Michigan really seems to be in love with the guy. Another one too that had a, has had a really good fall camp is Zach Carpenter up front okay. of the offensive line. I mean, I posted posted about him a couple weeks ago. Really glowing reviews early on. Uh, you know, people remember. I know he's a three-star prospect, but I mean, they beat Clemson head-to-head for him, and he was one thousand percent a take for Clemson. So, you know, like we talked about with that offensive line class, is even the three-star guys, Carpenter and and Stewart, were guys that you know Michigan beat. You know, they beat Auburn and Texas A and M for Stewart, and then they beat Clemson head-to-head for Carpenter. I want to say the crystal ball was 100% for Clemson when he committed to Michigan. So, you know, that's a, another guy that I've heard a lot of really good things about early on. It's been more than usual hearing some just – even if it's just a couple little things, but hearing a lot of good things about this true freshman class, which isn't really like a huge surprise. But, um, but yeah, so Carpenter all probably be the other two guys I'd throw in there. Charles Thomas, okay. too. And we talked about a little bit about him before we got on. but And Campanelli brought him up had some good things to say about him in the presser. Like I said, we talked about this before we got on, but he's another guy I think that they're pretty excited about. Okay. Well, there's your list. I'll have my list later on. Well, I guess it depends on when you listen. It might already be up. It might not be up yet. Uh, we shall see. But, but yeah, I, I'm with you, Steve. I think there is a little bit of for, – for, you know, Harbaugh mentioned in July that he's really happy that he can have good, promising freshmen and he doesn't have to play them. You know, they don't have to be in the two deep by default. Obviously, running back is one position where maybe you do. Maybe defensive tackle is as well with with injuries. But for the most part, they're going to let these players grow and develop the way that they, they think that they should. And so that's it's, it's interesting. And yet at the same time, there's some competition. There are people fighting uh, to, to crack that two deep. So stay tuned with 24-7 Sports for every step of the way. Fall camp is winding down. You know, this time next week, we will be previewing a football game. So we made it through the offseason. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we'll see you next time.